Burly Fisher, it's the Burly Fisher podcast. Listen at home where you're stuck all alone. Talking about books with writers we like. Listen with us, it'll all be alright. Hi there, I'm Sam. And good morning, I'm Dan. Welcome to this, the inaugural Bellyfisher Books Isolation Station podcast. So the idea is that in each episode, we're going to be talking to a new writer about these strange times that we find ourselves in and um, talking about their work and how they're bearing up through it all. Uh, so Dan, can you tell everyone how it's going to work? Ah, yes, more than happy to. Um, so uh, first things first, it is, we are rather rickety at the moment. We are kind of getting things together and working some things out. So do bear with us. But we do have the essentials down. Most importantly is our email. Uh, this is podcast at burleyfisherbooks.com. Once again, that is podcast at burleyfisherbooks.com. And this will really primarily be how you guys engage Bye with us. Buy books. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this is how you buy books ladies and gents um so you can email us if you hear any books mentioned on the pod that you like if you like the the sound of the authors that we have on just chuck us an email and we will get a book sent to you asap um but we're also really excited to hear what you guys have to say whether you have any questions whether Whether you have any whether you want to buy books Uh, how many books you want to buy what size they are how many (laughs) Um, but yeah if we're gonna we're kind of gonna like as this thing develops we're gonna be like trying to put together some features maybe a quiz a quiz sounds like a good idea didn't it sam um i don't know how we do that on a pre-recorded podcast You can tell that we haven't made a podcast before. No. <laughs> um, but yeah, that, that email, podcast at burleyfisherbooks.com, will be your uh, way of getting in contact with us, and things will develop. Um, so Sam, do you want to tell us a little bit about the author who's kindly given us some of her time uh, today to be with us? Yeah, so today we're going to be speaking to Emma Glass about her new book, Rest and Be Thankful. Um, and the, the episode today is in lieu of a launch because Emma was supposed to be launching the book at the shop this week but that was of course unfortunately cancelled um so to tell you a little bit about the book it's a novel about a pediatric nurse called Laura and we follow Laura over the course of a few days as she works long night shifts in a very quiet pediatric hospital and then during the time left her in between her shifts kind of tries to deal with her burnout and um to deal with the her crumbling relationships um i read it in one sitting last night and wow really beautifully yeah it really grabs hold of you and doesn't let go um it's a beautifully constructed book about care and about exhaustion which i think probably is something that we can all relate to right now i don't know about you dan but i am fucking knackered i mean i've been spending a lot of time in bed that's for sure <laughs> um <Okay>. yeah so <laughs> So, so now we're going to go over to a short reading from Emma and hopefully, well, certainly you guys will understand what Sam's talking about because the prose is just um, beautiful. So uh, we'll hand over to Emma now.
Where you end, I begin. The door is swinging, heavy, thumping against the wall. Each thump marks a person entering, marks a person exiting, marks the solid, purposeful movements of the people in the room, marks our collective breath in, breath out. We breathe together, held too long. We hold and wait for the beat to return. The door thumps against the wall too hard this time. Someone looks up and says, no, no, there are too many people in here now, please go. The ones that are left look around the room at each other. We all have the same eyes, the same chapped lips and wet brows. We are all different shades of blue. The door is closed, but the thumping continues. A steady, dull, pumping sound. And every now and then, a puff of air, a puff of air, and the thumping continues. The sound is hollow. The sound is bone pounding on soft bone. A flat heart, lungs filled with oxygen from a tank. Oxygen soon to spill and fill the belly, and the pumping will be harder, and my arms are aching already. My feet are off the floor. I am kneeling next to the little one. I am over her body with my weight. I am the thumping sound. My fingers are interlocked. The heel of my hand is red and sore. My hands and arms are drained white. Two long fixed posts pounding. I am counting. Am I counting out loud or am I counting in my head? I feel the bed creak as more weight is added. Someone is moving close to me with a tray full of needles. I see the corners of white paper towels unfolding, draping over the little legs. I move my eyes off the chest. There are faces all around me, distorted, crooked with concentration. These are the faces of people I don't know very well, but they are the faces of people I trust. Hi, Emma. Thanks so much for joining us today. Hello. How's it going? Good, thank you. How are you? Yeah, very, very good. Thanks. Um, yeah. Tired. <laughs> We're still sitting. Yeah. Uh, for the for the current context and um, yeah, for, for your book as well. Um, so it came out yesterday. Is that right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and we were supposed to have a launch of the bookshop, uh, which unfortunately we're not going to be able to go through through with for obvious reasons. So I'm sorry about that. So thanks for joining us and celebrating the book um, in isolation. <laughs> Thank you for having me. Yeah, my pleasure. So how have things been for you? Um, being as you're a nurse, how are things at work? <laughs> Start off by it's such a strange time. It's, it's really weird. So I'm a children's nurse. And as we know at the moment, coronavirus isn't affecting the young as, as badly as it's affecting the elderly um, and, and the at-risk population. So... Um, what my job consists of at the moment is planning and it's really hard to know what we're planning for mm -hmm. in terms of how it's going to affect children but um, I work in a big busy central London hospital so at the moment we're space finding we're trying to reduce footfall into the hospital I'm trying to keep my staff calm um, and also informed and that's also hard when the information changes seemingly every hour or half an hour yeah. so yeah lots of uh, lots of logistics and um uncertainty it, it's it's a really it's a really weird time yeah it's, it's strange because I, when we, f we first thought about doing this podcast um, i 
kind of envisaged it as talking to writers who <clears throat> were in isolation and uh, talking to them about how they were dealing with them. and I suppose for you the situation um, because uh, outside of being a writer you're also a nurse the situation is kind of opposite and you're um, yeah probably like having to go into work more than yeah yeah and and so my kind of daily life is is the same as usual just with added added pressure really yeah <laughs> um and and kind of walking around you know on my, on my commute going into central london it's it's a ghost town and then when you get inside the hospital it's it's eerily quiet as well mm-hmm. um and sort of whereas you know a week ago we were business as usual we'll carry on as normal and now that you know we're not able to do that so yeah it's just um it's quite disconcerting but at the same time um i feel really lucky and happy to be there um it's sort of it's sort of weird from from a career point of view you know this is incredible experience for me yeah <laughs> um and and it's it's the first time you know anyone's really lived through i mean obviously except for like spanish flu but <laughs> anyone of our time who's who's lived through something like this mm-hmm. um so yeah it's 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 great experience and it's it's great for my my growth as a as a, a nurse i'm i'm a sister so i i manage a team and i manage an area yeah um but at the same time i also feel like i'm flying by the seat of my pants <laughs> yeah yeah learning every day um i guess what i wanted to ask about was um largely this book is about exhaustion and burnout and um i wanted to know what that what it feels like to be launching that book, this book now. Um, does, it, does it have your expectations changed over the last week um, with, with regards to what people, what your readership will be thinking um, or how they will be responding to it? Um, in- yeah, I, I'm, I'm, actually, I'm actually a little worried this week because, um, so I, I chose to write about a nurse who's exhausted because, um, it's it's kind of my lived experience although mm. i must say laura's the the main character in the book laura her her experience is obviously not exactly mine but i i hit on the subject of of tiredness because um i suffered from insomnia um as as a child well sort of into my early early to late teens and um i i've never really slept very well my whole life until i um, did my nurse training and then I found that working shifts I'd be so exhausted I would just sleep when I could and it almost it almost resolved my insomnia right um and and so I I, I picked to to write about a string of night shifts because I used to love doing nights because I felt so awake it felt so normal for me to be awake at that time and I'd exhaust myself so much that I would I would sleep through the day so it sort of you know shifts really suited me but um when I first moved to London, I worked at um, another big children's hospital, different to the one I'm in now. And um, it was such a bubble. It was really claustrophobic. It was my, my I'm from Swansea, so it was my first kind of um, time in, in, in London, mm-hmm. away from my family. And I was living in nursing accommodation, which was just across the street from the hospital and everyone who worked who lived there worked at the hospital so it was like this really weird um hospital 
hub you'd go to work there and then you'd come home and you'd kind of still be in the hospital and everyone would talk about their days everyone would talk about work and it really overwhelmed me yeah. and I was also looking after really critically ill children at the time um and also kind of just general generally being spooked by this ancient ancient hospital with you know creaky creaky stairways and 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 shadowy corridors and um it it was just a just the images of that hospital stayed stayed with me but I, I I was there for two years and towards the end of those two years I really really struggled um mm -hmm. and and I I I guess I was I was burnt out yeah. um and so I moved from there into uh the hospital where I am now and 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 worked in the outpatient department just to see daylight again really mm -hmm. um and and to have a bit of a better a better balance um it's yeah it i i i wanted to write about that that exhaustion and what it feels like to be utterly consumed um but my concern now is people reading if people are reading this in a time where anxiety is already heightened you know there's a lot of strain on i mean there's always a lot of strain on the nhs but even, even more so now i'm worried that people might think that laura's experience is the norm right. um and uh, i'm not sure that it is I think people have different um, different levels of resilience, and it's something that I've I've learned. I mean, I've been a nurse for nine years now, mm -hmm. um, and you know, over the years, you've, you, I've had to I've had to build my own resilience and find ways of of not being exhausted. But this past week, where um, you know, I've I've had to really sort of crisis manage. I guess this past week the tiredness is starting to creep back in. Right, okay. So. <laughs> feel like you're getting closer to, to Laura than, <laughs> than you have been in recent times. Yeah. yeah. Um, one of the things that I found really um, striking, and I think a lot of people respond to, in the way that the book is structured, is, is the, the barrier between uh, sleep and wakefulness really thin. And we often, as a reader, slip into dreams and out of dreams without immediately realising that um, we are slipping from one to the other. And aspects of dreams are carried into uh, wakefulness. Um, yeah, I, I wondered how, what made you decide to write about dreams um, and whether the dreams came first. Um, yeah, how, how, how it came together in that respect. Um. It, it actually came so that um, I started uh, I started writing this book because so I'd, I'd finished Peach long ago, um, my first novel Peach, and I was trying to uh, trying to start something new, and I felt that everything I was writing was still in that that kind of unusual Peach voice. And I didn't want to do that again. Right. <laughs> it's very easy to to keep keep flowing in like a, a semi rhyming prose when actually it doesn't work for every story that you're you're trying to tell. So um, I actually started with writing Laura's underwater dream, and that um, that piece was actually inspired by a song <laughs> by the band La Dispute. Uh -huh, okay. <laughs> uh, and it's. Um, got a long title which I don't remember now uh you know fit, uh, fit, first feelings falling through ice I think it is um, well, uh, we'll, find it. we'll put it in the uh, liner notes 
it's um and it, it's it, yeah it's it's a complete dynamite song there's lots of um emo screaming and um <laughs> interesting ideas about life and death um i really love that band for those reasons yeah um but it, it started with that that dream and then i started thinking about um what if it's really hard to tell whether she's awake and asleep the whole time and so the other dreams follow but weirdly the other dreams are things that happen to me in my real life oh really <laughs> <laughs> so, so like the um the drowning bit when she's on holiday with her dad and sister that actually happened to me um i did feel I mean, I mean it's always a difficult thing <laughs> when you're talking to people about their books about you know when there is an artificial element um to whether to ask how much of it touches on real life but the dreams do have that's why they're so strange i think because they have such a connection <laughs> to real life um and yeah and it's it's really persuasive um and it makes that that kind of um i suppose membrane between wakefulness and sleepfulness so thin and yeah it's really effective <laughs> um yeah and, and another thing that um i that really struck me about the book is the descriptions of care um, are just incredibly moving, um, and the care you pay to uh, language as well, the care and attention you pay to language. Um, did you find that those, obviously, things that you do every day, um, did you find that those kind of the descriptions came very easily, or did you writing the dreams easier? It was it was really hard to write the 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 bits, um, the care bits. Actually, it was really hard. Um, one of in one of my my previous jobs, I um, did a lot of training and education with parents. So parents who had to care for children who needed um, intravenous antibiotic therapy, I'd have to teach them about about the intravenous lines, and um, sometimes they'd have to administer the medication at home. So I actually was thinking about the language that I use to describe care to them because nurses are the nurses and doctors are the worst for using jargon and you know we think oh it sounds really you know stat and you know it sounds really cool <laughs> what does it mean what does it mean to the general public I just want to reassure everyone it's yeah the book doesn't come across Holby City it's very uh <laughs> <laughs> it's very it's, <laughs> it was a real it was a real conscious effort to try and and describe the care in in language that people would understand, but also um, language that kind of also tells the story of how she feels while she's doing it. Mm -hmm. um, nurses historically are task oriented beings, so you know, addressing change is something that goes on a list of things that they knew, need to do for the for their patients and also you know the the drug round and you know observations and actually all of those bits come with you know touch and um and and speaking and you know finding out how the family are and whether they're hungry and whether they're in pain and those mm -hmm. those things don't go on the list um yeah. so it was kind of trying to do you know, but but there is an element of that you know it is task orientated there is the, the things do need to be ticked off the list at the end of the day so it was trying to kind of um contain it into 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 snapshots um but it was really difficult to find the the right language um to use because also medical equipment is called you know they have names and yeah and they aren't described in in any other way so um yeah i had to think a lot 
about those the the, the tech I like to call them the technical bits um mm. they were difficult to write but the the dreams just kind of um they just they just flowed um yeah I, I feel really I feel really really lucky as a writer because this book took in if I count it count of the the time spent you know it had sort of I wrote it over about eight months I actually can only really remember um two sets of four days where I wrote the bulk of it mm-hmm. and and it just it felt really easy to tell this story I don't know why this one feels um a lot lot closer uh to me than 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 Peach did Peach was more of a yeah more of a more of a alien right <laughs> an a- an alien beast <laughs> but this 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 is really 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 connected um yeah to me like i read it all in one go and it definitely felt like that it felt it felt right to read it in one go because there is a tightness to it i think um and being you are pulled along by this kind of um this this the strangeness of the boundaries between wakefulness and sleep sleeping between home and the home. um and yeah the kind of uh, how the separation between these different things is very big um yeah and you've done a brilliant job it's so rare to get descriptions of of care i think the way that you the, the book attends to the language attends to things that you mentioned like people being hungry or it's so precise and very moving so yeah um which leads me on to my next question is is what I've been thinking about in the last week, we've been uh, we closed the shop and we've been going out on bikes, delivering books to people in the community, um, which has been unusual. Um, but it, it's led me to kind of wonder what old books is in like moments of crisis. Yeah, and I think this this will be a book that people turn to as it's come out now, and it's I think it speaks to the present moment. Um, yeah, I wondered if you had any thoughts. Are there any books that you kind of in times of crisis? Um, I'm a lover of short novels. <laughs> that makes sense. <laughs> I say that because I don't have a I don't have a very um, long attention span. I don't have much patience for for you know absolute bricks. But I will say an absolute brick, which I would turn to again and again is um Lucy Elman's Ducks Newburyport. And the reason I like that is because I can dip in and out. You know, there's there's so much and there are so many she does this wonderful, um wonderful thing with language which really, really reminds me of um Gertrude Stein's tender buttons. Now I'll hop on about Gertrude Stein's tender buttons all the time <laughs> i think every every bit of publicity or podcast i did for peach tender buttons came up at least twice in each of those <laughs> i will bring it up again yeah. um but what what lucy does in in ducks she is similar in what gertrude stein does with tender buttons you know there is just a sentence that can leave that can stay with you for for you know hours and hours what does she mean why did she put that word next to that word it's the most beautiful thing i've ever read it's completely baffling mm-hmm. um i really 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 love that but um my other my other fave is um shirley jackson um her books are uh miraculously small and and just so deep and wonderful um i, I recently finished uh, uh we have always lived in the castle and it's just 
oh I love that mm-hmm. um and I'm also yeah uh, other things that other books that are um like gruesome and sexy at the same time I really love um Carmen Maria Machado's um short story collection um oh gosh what's that called uh her body and other parties that's it yeah. <laughs> <laughs> i'm really bad with names of things um okay. but i Got love that as well <laughs> <laughs> i think perhaps i shouldn't be recommending books that will make people feel more claustrophobic than they already <laughs> yeah. feel but but um i'm sort of a glutton for punishment <laughs> yeah and i really like to like create a mood yeah. to match the mood um so yeah that would be another one um it's funny isn't but it? this I, is... I keep i keep finding myself recommending um books about the plague this week <laughs> <laughs> and then i get halfway through the recommending it i'm stuck at home two weeks you probably don't want to read about the black death um <laughs> <laughs> but yeah her body and other parties have kind of come up a lot um this week as well um i think this is kind of like listening to sad sad music when you're sad making you happy somehow that seems to yeah. work for me i don't know yeah no no same <laughs> uh yeah i have at least three misery playlists that just go on repeat <laughs> yeah it's that, i'm not really sure what it is about i don't know my brain chemistry but it works <laughs> for me as well <laughs> cool well uh i think that perhaps we could hear um one more reading from you um uh perhaps from another section of the book um and we'll leave it here and just say thank you very much for joining us for this first podcast. Um, thank you. And good luck out there looking after <laughs> us. Um, thank yeah, you. Yeah, well done. On brilliant and, and perfectly formed book. Um, we hope many people buy it. <laughs> <laughs> thank you. Me too. So have a great day. Bye. You too. Bye bye. Your pain is worse than I knew. Danny is still sleeping, but his mother is awake. She is leaning over the cot, cooing and stroking his cheek. Good morning, Tracy, I say. I have a student working with me today. Is it okay if she helps me with Danny's dressing? I incline my head towards the student who is taking up her position as my shadow. Morning. Yes, I met Samantha the other day. Samantha, thank goodness. Hello again, says Samantha, beaming big bright rays around the room. Samantha, I'll write it down. Tracy's eyes are black and puffy, the dark circles of sleep deprivation warping her cheeks rival mine. Mine are ponds, hers are stormy seas. But light movements of her lips, the little smile at her son that sends ripples of dimples in her cheeks show hope. She is younger than me. She is a mother. My hand grasping the tray of sterile dressings begins to quiver. My breath aches to escape. Tracy, the doctors are going to have a meeting today. They want you to be there and they've asked me to be there too. I speak gently. I try to disguise with softness the sound of the lump forming in my throat. She looks up at me. There is no fear or sadness in her eyes. She, does, she doesn't know that there is no solution. Or she does, and she's being strong. Tracy picks up her baby. I help her navigate the wires and tubes. We move a chair to the window and lower her into it, with pillows on her lap and a blanket to keep warm. She rests 
Danny on the pillows and holds him close to her chest. She rocks him gently and I push the button. I give him a dose to keep him comfortable. I pause to watch for a moment while she whispers to him, brushing his cheek with a finger, the leads and wires coiling around her arms. They are tethered. We work together. We synchronize quickly. We strip the sheets from the mattresses, scrub them down with wet soapy cloths. They dry as we unfold fresh linen. The crisp whiteness of the sheets satisfies me. As we lift them taut into the air, I hope to smell the fake flowery fragrance of fresh washed sheets. But all I smell is dry sterility, the faint smell of steel, steam and slight scorching. We smooth out the sheets over the mattress and fold the corners, our arms waving, our bodies bending. We are like synchronized swimmers and I can't help but smile. Samantha grins back at me. She is relaxed and happy to be helping. I walk around to her. I walk around to her side of the cot to check the folds of the sheet in the corners. Did Rudy teach you how to do these? She blushes and nods. They're pretty good. I'm impressed. I roll a soft flannel blanket sprinkled with a pattern of coloured stars and arrange it like a donut for Danny to snuggle into. Tracy begins to undress Danny in her lap. She knows the routine. I'll change his dressing whilst he's on your lap. He's settled there, and I can reach just fine. She looks pleased. He is comfy, isn't he? She gives a little laugh, snug as a bug in a rug. I remove my gloves and wash my hands thoroughly. They are already abnormally red as I wring the water off them and reach for a paper towel. I wince as I apply alcohol gel and sterile gloves. Samantha removes the old dressing. It lifts with no resistance. I clean with chemicals, swirling in circles over the pink exit skin. I carefully lift the line, scrubbing over and under, over and under, over his chest and under his arm. When his skin has dried, I coil the line, stick it quickly down with strips and then peel back the sheet of film. The trickiest bit. We all hold our breath whilst I position the flimsy film over the, co over the coil and one, two, three, press it down, pinching in the middle and stretching out the edges. I smooth it out with my fingertips, making sure the film has stuck fast. Perfect, says Tracy, and she pecks Danny's nose with puckered lips. He doesn't stir. I get up from the floor. The blood flows back into my toes. My knees and legs ache from being crouched for too long. Samantha sees me huff and puff. I smile and say my knees aren't what they used to be. So that's all from us today. Thanks so much for listening to this inaugural podcast. Um, and I just want to say a big thank you to our man, Dan Fuller, for <laughs> learning how to record and produce and distribute a podcast within 24 hours. Uh, uh, well, don't be thanking me yet, mate. Um, <laughs> something can still go seriously wrong. And yeah, I want to say thank you to Emma for giving her time. Um, obviously, there's we're having a kind of wild month or two or maybe more. And it's uh, really, really nice for her to come on as a health professional um, yeah. to, and give us some of her time. And thank you to all other health professionals as well. You guys rule. Um, big up the NHS. Yeah. Um, I mean, if you've got any stories you want to share with us about what's been happening to you, um, just to give that email address again, it's podcast at burlyfisherbooks.com. And please do order Emma's book. It's really difficult for writers, um, who are releasing books at this time and 
bookshops like ours are cruelly shutting their doors uh, and not allowing anyone to purchase it. So um, please do support Emma uh, and get a, get a hold of a copy of Duck's Newbieport because if you're ever going to have a time to read it, it's going to be in the next month. Uh, it's a really, as Emma described, really beautiful polyphonic novel. Um, it's a real, yeah, it's a real... It's a beast. It's a beast. Um... Uh, and who have we got on next, Sam? Who have we got coming up next? So in the next episode, we'll, uh, we've got our very own Somer talking to uh, Preeti Tanesha uh, about um, the current situation, but also about her novel Wither a Young, uh, for which she won the Desmond Elliott Prize. So look out for that. We'll be uh, posting about that in the next few days. We've also got a lot of other things going on. We've got guest bookseller slots on Twitter. Uh, we're still delivering by bike to people's houses if you live in Hackney. If you don't live in Hackney, I'm sorry, but we're very tired and we're not going to go any further than that. <laughs> um, but we can post. We can post for we now. We can post. We can post. So hit us up on podcast at bellyfisherbooks.com and, or on Twitter at bellyfisher or, or on Instagram at bellyfisher. And, yeah, we can get some books out to you. Oh, oh, also, also, sorry, one last thing. We need to shout out uh, our other man, Anthony, for making the lovely jingle that is going to... Uh, uh, sound lovely on the intro and outro so thanks to anthony yeah and well. there'll be a link to his soundcloud in the in the liner notes so if you want to listen to more of his beautiful yep by his ep and dulcet tones then <laughs> <laughs> okay, that's all from us today thanks a lot thanks very much be safe bye now take care Burley Fisher's Isolation Station was brought to you by the team at Burley Fisher Books. Our hosts were Dan Fuller and Sam Fisher, joined today by Emma Glass. Our producer was Dan Fuller with music by Anthony Hurley. Don't forget to contact us at podcast at burleyfisherbooks.com for orders, queries or suggestions. Stay safe and have a lovely day. Thank you.